Most entrepreneurs waste an insane amount of time trying to build their business. They are online 24-7, sacrificing their private life and burning out in the process. This is going to end right now. Welcome to the Content Lounge Podcast. I'm your host, Virginia Reassis. I'm a serial entrepreneur, copywriter, business coach, and recovered workaholic. I know what it takes to go from burnt out and overwhelmed to building a six-figure business, posting only once a week and working less than five hours per day. My secret? Cutting out all the crap that doesn't move the needle forward in your business and producing content that actually attracts clients and gets you paid while living your best life. Want to create a business and a life you love? Sit back, relax, and let your content do the work for you. Today, I want to welcome a cl- former client of mine and dear friend. Her name is Alexandra. She has an account called Toolbox for Love. She was one of, I would say, the earliest people to join me inside CTS. And ever since, I feel like I've been front row to how she has built her business. And we've worked together in many different settings inside CTS, but then later one-on-one a couple of times. Her account is absolutely incredible. And if you care about having a solid, loving, sustainable relationship with your significant other, you 100% cannot miss this episode because Alex is amazing and she will change how you think about your relationships forever. So welcome to the show, Alex. I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you so, so much for having me. Pretty exciting given how much we've evolves together, I feel. And you've been there from the start. So very excited to be here today. Thank you. Yeah. When you say evolved together, like that's really true. I think you had like, I don't know, 15 posts and 200 followers or something when I first met you and your account has exploded to like almost 100,000 followers, right? Now, yeah, we're over 100,000, even 110,000. So it's, it goes, yeah, it's growing. It's growing. (laughs) That is absolutely amazing. So I remember you had one post that went super viral for you. And I believe it was something along the lines of like, love is not enough. Correct. Tell us more. What exactly do you mean? Yeah. So over my now 15 year relationship with my now husband, Dennis, I've come to realize that love is important in a relationship. You want to, you know, if you want a fulfilling one, of course, I'm all for having love and having connection and having passion and keeping the spark alive. But I've also realized how much we need other things. And those other things, like I also posted in this specific post, are certain skills. When the love fades or when it becomes less present because maybe you experience more challenges or something new comes up or you notice your differences, basically, what do you do there when the emotions or the initial high fades, what happens next? And we're very, very used to seeing the picture-perfect versions of relationships online or through TV shows, movies, the Cinderella stories, the happy ever afters. And myself included, I used to believe that love will be sustained and love will just continue if you both want it to work. And the hard truth was... We went through our own differences. We were like, oh, we are actually very different. Are we incompatible? Wow, I'm actually attracted to someone else. What's that actually telling me? And that was in the very early stages of our relationship when, again, the love started to kind of not fade, but just so many other things got added to the mix. And so the idea behind why love isn't enough is when, again, that initial spark fades How do you deal with differences? How do you deal with your first doubts? How do you deal with potentially having unmet needs and that may be triggering an attraction to someone else? And so all of these different things, how do we manage conflict? Those are the skills that we want to add to our toolbox, hence the name of my account and my brand, to be able to be equipped when the love kind of is is compromised there. When we're like, these big things are making me rethink my love. I totally know what you mean. And I find that love kind of fluctuates. It comes and goes in waves. And sometimes it's like really high and it's like you're back in your honeymoon phase because something happened and you're like so in love. 
And then, I don't know, something else is more prominent in your life. And then the love kind of like takes a step back and then you need a lot of other skills. This is definitely something that I think a lot of people don't understand about relationships yet is or about any anything that you do, whether that's relationships or businesses, just how important it is for you to meet your needs. If, if you don't meet a plant's needs, it's going to wither and die. If you don't meet, meet your own needs, that's very similar. I mean, hopefully you're not going to die, but you're definitely going to wither and it's not going to be fun to to live and you're going to feel all the feelings that will tell you, hey, here's like needs that aren't being met. So I think it's so important that you are equipping people with like the different skill sets, the different tools, as you say, to navigate relationships. Which of the tools do you currently have programs on or like support people with? Like what are the different tools or skill sets that are the most essential for you? A few. I'd say since you just touched upon needs, it's the one that I call that I actually call aligning needs is how do we align our needs? How do we communicate, recognize even what our needs are and find a way to make it work? Because the love can be there and having that experience that firsthand, the love can be there. But when you have unmet needs, it really is a big question. And so the question becomes, how can we align our needs? And so aligning needs is the masterclass that I would typically recommend when you feel like you're very different. Like there are just things that you're not on the same page about, but you still want to be connected. You still strive for growth. You still strive to increase the love. You're like, we just have very different needs or I'm having unmet needs and I need to understand even what my needs are. Sometimes those are the messages that I get. What are my needs? How do I pinpoint them? And how do I put words to what I need so I can then communicate that? So that's where I give a very specific framework. And the that second one, that one totally slapped me in the face when I became a mom. <laughs> See? Yeah. Needs are essential. Needs are essential. Because I could meet them when I had all the time in the world to myself. And my husband was just at work and I was just like working from home and I had 24 hours, seven days a week, or I could just figure that out on my own. But then I had a kid and I was like, holy crap. And yeah, that one, yeah. that one hit hard for me. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that, that's a, quite a popular tool that people get. And the, the, the most, actually the most popular tool is constructive conversations. It's how to communicate about important topics, how to bring up a concern, how to request maybe a new behavior or point out, you know, something that you just don't like that's being done and then have a conversation, try to find an agreement. So constructive conversations is, is the one that, that really, I'd say, most people get. So yeah, I'd say those those two, I have others, but those two are quite popular because again, unmet needs lead to us feeling disconnected, lead to us maybe engaging in certain behaviors that we don't want to, but because we're feeling just so out of tune from our own relationship. And again, constructive conversations is the idea that how do we communicate even when it's not easy, right? And yeah. how do we open up conversations and as much as we can approach the conversation in the best way possible, or we think it's the best way possible, sometimes it can shut our partner down. And so that's what I teach there is how to open it up, despite potential reactions from your partner, how to handle that too. So important. All right. You, I know you have usually a full roster of one-on-one -on -one clients. Was there anything that you found very surprising, something new that you learned when you started coaching couples one-on-one -on -one or, or individuals one-on-one? -on -one. Was there anything that took you by surprise with your knowledge of relationships or were you like, all right, this is everything I always anticipated to hear? I think one thing that I've learned is that change or wanting to do things differently takes us out of our comfort zone. And so even if we want things to get better in our relationship, or even if we want to do things better, the reality is that we're, you know, we've developed patterns, we've developed a set of behaviors, of habits that can be hard to let go. And sometimes that is the first type of work that we, that we do with a client is being able to even be open to 
reaching the goals that they want to reach. And that's part of our brain wanting to stick with what it knows. Growth is uncomfortable. Uncertainty is uncomfortable. Doing things differently takes practice. And so that I think is, is a big thing that I've realized is as much as we want things to change and grow, we do need a very strong reason to do that. Because if not, then it's going to be hard to implement new skills. It's going to be hard to, to, to let go of unhealthy behaviors and unhealthy patterns. So it's this difference between the impulsive first reaction that we have that we want to change and the rational wise part of ourselves that is like, this is my relationship goal. This is my ideal situation. This is what I want to achieve. So it's bridging that gap that I found. I'm saying most surprising in a way, because when I first started, I thought we could access, let's say, the wiser part and implement skills much quicker. And I've then learned what it takes to bridge that gap in a shorter amount of time. So I've done additional certifications, et cetera, to really not just teach skills, but in one-on-one coaching specifically, I go and do the deeper work so that when you've finished the three months with me, you have a sustainable approach to a relationship. You know what to do. And even when the impulsive old pattern kicks in, you can get yourself out of it and go into the part that you actually want and go, what what do I actually want? Yeah. Yeah, this is definitely something that I found surprising as well. And that tripped me up in my first, I would say, year and a half, between my first year and my second year in business. Because in the first year, I remember so candidly being like, why aren't people just doing the thing? It was much more consulting that I was doing and advisory and teaching methods and strategies and, and tools and so on for content creation and how to captivate an audience and so on and how to write headlines, yada, yada, yada. I was teaching all of the processes and the steps and the tools and I was really dissatisfied that at least half of the clients weren't really taking action until I finally learned, all right, okay, that's, I only speak to the conscious brain. And if we can actually go much deeper then and clear all the clutter or recognize these patterns or these coping mechanisms or these behaviors or these fears and unravel them with the client together, they actually can unlock so much more growth. So that is definitely something that I also had to learn. And that was like a big step between the first and the second year of coaching with a lot of different certifications that had to follow. (laughs) Exactly. What kind of certifications or training do you have? Because I think you've worked with quite a prestigious relationship coach as well, or like you have quite a lot of background education on how to handle relationships. Can you fill us in on that a little bit? Sure. So I believe in different approaches and I personalize that depending on the client. So I don't just have one approach and I've been certified by different types of institutes. So all the way from life coaching with, I don't know if you know him, Tony Robbins, Chloe Madanis, they have an institute and I did the life coaching certification with them. I then went on to do specifically relationship coaching and then went on to do others that are more, let's say, trauma-informed, where we go into much more deeper work. And that is with specifically someone called Terry Real. He's he co- he works very closely with you know people like Esther Perel, for those who know Esther Perel. So these are people who who have their own approaches. And then I add a mix of every client has personalized resources things that help them, for example, prepare for marriage. That's a pre-marriage counseling certification that I did or something that really touches upon our personalities and why we do what we do. So it's very, very motivation-based and that's called the Enneagram for those who know the Enneagram. So I also got an accreditation there just because it helped me so much and my very first clients. And I said, this is something I want to dive deeper in. So I keep these different tools for my clients. And again, it adds to their toolbox. So life coaching, relationship coaching, trauma-informed therapy as well, and then these additional things like the Enneagram and pre-marriage counseling tools too. Oh, it's so amazing to to see coaches who have such a wide array of skills and expertise. I love that you're trauma-informed. I love that you work with the Enneagram. 
And I think that is so incredibly valuable. Like your clients are just so lucky to have someone with such a broad skill set on their mind or on, on, on their side, because I really do see a lot of like people who just go into a certain coaching because they have like personal experience in it, but they don't actually have the deeper work or the skills to do the deeper work or to really truly understand their clients. So I absolutely love that. Is there anything that you notice that's a difference across cultures or across like types of occupations? So is there any difference between someone, I don't know, who's an entrepreneur versus someone who has a nine to five job or someone who's based in maybe Asia versus someone who's based in the US or in Europe? Are there any like differences or can you say like, no, like if you're a woman in this age group, like most likely this is what I'm going to see. Interestingly enough, I see different patterns. One being, I'd say, I'd almost want to say 100% of my clients, but if I think about it, let's just say 99 in case, 99% of my clients are all working individuals. And so they do have their work aside of, let's say, this coaching that we do, et cetera, et cetera. And they're typically people who are very growth oriented, who value growth a lot. And so that is, let's say, a pattern that I've seen is everyone who comes, or at least so far, most people who come for private coaching are people who value growth, whether they've already tried things before or not. The majority have already tried to read books, to get courses, maybe even have their own therapist and now want a coach to kind of see the difference or because they want a different approach and a different perspective. So that is one of the patterns that I see in terms of who would typically or who typically comes to to my own practice. One thing that I've noticed in terms of another pattern is I have worked with quite a handful of, of you mentioned Asians, Asians, but they're not necessarily in Asia. They're usually in the States or in Australia or other areas of the world. And the patterns are pretty similar in terms of their upbringing has impacted just like everyone, of course, but very specifically, their, 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 I see how much of their upbringing has impacted their relationships today, whether it's strict parents, emotionally unavailable parents. It's usually around those lines. Sometimes it's the mom, sometimes it's the dad, but it's very interesting to see how, regardless of where they are in the world, I'm not saying that that's the case for all Asians, let's say, but it's typically a cultural thing where I see that there is pressure to be at a certain stage in life, at a certain age, and how they show up in their relationship is very linked to how they grew up and the impact that that had. Again, we all are impacted in one way or another by our caregivers, but those are pretty similar patterns, either strict parents or high expectations, high standards, sometimes intrusion in terms of we want to have a say in, in, in your life. So that's where I see similarities and patterns in, 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 for example, just as an example, in Asians, regardless of where they are in the world. I will say though, that regardless of ethnicity, religion, culture, I accept any type of client. And it's crazy how sometimes I really have heterosexual couples or individuals, just like I have bisexual individuals come or same sex individuals, the people from all like, across the world in different religions, I honestly see them as human beings. And I know this might sound very cheesy and very superficial, but it really is true. I still see very similar patterns repeating themselves, regardless of who you are. Of course, I take into account the individual, but we all have, or we all share universal needs, like the need to feel connected, the need to feel like we matter, the need for certainty, all of those needs, again, we can start to, to see very clear patterns. So that that's kind of my approach, but I do see other type of patterns if I do think of it. Does that answer your, your question, by the way? Yeah. I love that because we're both very multicultural and widely traveled individuals. I know you've, you've been born in Japan, right? 
Yeah. But grew up in Switzerland. And I actually, so was born in Tokyo, was there for about four years. Then we traveled to Boston. We were living there for two years. Then we went to London for a year, Sydney for a year, San Francisco for a year. And then we moved to Switzerland. And that's where I learned French, went to my schools there. And my family is in Ecuador. So my mom is Ecuadorian. My dad is Swiss. But we've been living in Switzerland for the past yeah. over 15 years now. So yeah. So to me, it's not surprising. I, I know you said it with certain care and with respect to cultural differences that you acknowledge like you that yes, people can come from different uh, walks of life and different ethnicities and different cultures. And you see the individual because for me, that's very similar. When I studied overseas in the US, in Dubai, in France, What struck me the most, my friends, my roommates, they were from Vietnam, from India, from France, from South, South Korea. I, I learned everywhere. I learned a couple words everywhere. I learned a little bit about the culture and I learned a lot about their upbringings and often like the sometimes interference with, from parents and so on, as you said. But what struck me so much is how many late nights I have spent with people from all across the world talking about our quote-unquote problems, issues, concerns for life, our hopes, our dreams. And we all shared the same things, like hoping that we would find a loving relationship, that we would feel connected, that we would feel like we have a purpose, and that we would do work that is meaningful and that lights us up and that we can live a happy life. And I remember it so clearly. I had two Indian friends and they were both boys and we were always like sitting like super late night in usually in my room in the student dorm like drinking tea and like just talking about life and like it was so interesting to hear their upbringing and sometimes like the one of them had an arranged marriage and like just talking about how these different things affect us and it really drove home to me that We may be from different cultures or ethnicities, but we're all human and share sort of a similar, similar hopes and similar fears for our life. And it may change depending on how we were raised, but the overall theme for living a happy life is very similar, which then again shaped kind of like my own teachings later around finding happiness for your life, around recognizing your needs. And then like seeing that again reflected in my, with my own clients where everyone was from a different country, but they all had the same goals and they were all not satisfied if their business was making money, but they weren't feeling fulfilled or it wasn't in alignment. So it's really cool to see that, like to hear your perspective for like relationships and like just how much overlap there is. And I really love that. I love hearing about like different cultures, but then also like the things that unite us. I think there's nothing more important than knowing yourself and, and like being in alignment with who you are and then cultivating a life and relationships that match that and being able to express your need. I hope that that made sense. Like for sure. Yeah. That shared experience is really lovely. And for sure. I mean, my husband is from Brazil, so. <laughs> do you ever ha help um, couples navigate cultural differences because that is definitely something that's interesting in parenting styles that's coming up for us where we're in a relationship my husband's like throwing donuts and sugar like confetti and i'm sitting there with a heart attack and my cucumbers and my bell peppers and my cheese and my bread in this as a snack box and i'm like no i cannot can we please make some like i have a need here I need the kids to eat that first because culturally I cannot stomach kids that run off sugar glazed donuts at 6 a.m. That's when I For brought sure. productive conversations, by the way. <laughs> ah, that's why I get it now. <laughs> no, for sure. For sure. Cultural differences is pretty common. I've, I've experienced that even in, in my own family, mom from South America, dad from Switzerland. You know, each sometimes want, you know, a different rule or a different say. And so sometimes it can lead to conflict and sometimes it can lead to, well, what do we do? How do we raise our kids? What do we value, et cetera? And, and personally, I've even 
not that I'm very culturally different from, from Dennis, but um, my husband, but it's even like how we've even had a different upbringing in a certain way, or we have a different view on certain things. I come from a family of only girls. He comes from a family of only boys. And so even that is like, how are we going to raise a kid if it's a girl? What, how are we going to raise a kid if it's a boy? What if, what if, I don't know, what if challenges come up? What are the challenges that could come up? How do we want to deal with that? So yes, cultural differences, of course, that's, that's very common in, in, in when I coach couples, but even sometimes it doesn't have to be due to culture, but you know, in terms of we come from different countries and different uh, backgrounds, but it can also be as simple as we sometimes even come from the same country and have very different views on stuff. And so that's, that's interesting as well to kind of see what the differences are too. So for sure, that's, that's pretty common for sure. Yeah. Do you think every relationship has a chance if both people wanted to have a chance? I think if both people wanted to make, yeah, wanted to work and are willing to focus on agreements, solutions, respecting differences that might stay. Couples, in my opinion, have a pretty fair chance. If they know why they're together, what their reasons to stay are, and they can find some sense, some sense of satisfaction, fulfillment, despite differences. Then again, I always say, you know, there's the willingness, but also then we need to walk the talk, right? We can be willing to make it work, but then not really put in the effort. So for me, it also leads to that. Like if two people are making the efforts, there is a higher chance. But I always say efforts alone aren't enough, just like love alone isn't enough. And that's something that I've been through, but see many, many people go through is we can have the best of intentions and try to put efforts in the right place. But sometimes we don't really know how to love the other, what our needs are, et cetera. So it's like, can we first clarify what it is that will make our relationship work or that we need in the relationship so that we can then find a way towards that? So again, coming back to your question, in my opinion, if two people want to make it work and are putting the efforts and are willing to learn and grow and go, well, hey, I don't know how to handle conflict in this situation and there's something really triggering me. I'm going to learn how to manage my emotions and, and et cetera. If there's that type of mindset, then just also from experience, observations, et cetera, there is a lot that can be done before deciding if it's going to work or not. Yeah. How much do you think is personal growth a factor that needs to happen even before a relationship or can it only, or is it fine if you just like find your way together and after six months you realize, oh, this requires work and then you get started? How much of your like personal childhood traumas and coping mechanisms do you need to be aware of or even have decluttered already to facilitate like a functional, fulfilling, happy relationship? So here's the thing with that. There is a lot of growth that we can do on our own. And there is a lot of growth that happens inside the relationship that we cannot do on our own. We can try, but a relationship or being with someone will trigger us maybe in a certain way, or we can learn to deal with our traumas, let's say, for example, or unhealthy, let's say, patterns or things that don't really contribute to a healthy relationship. In my own experience, if I were to give you an example, I had trouble voicing my needs, for example, and then I would get really pissed off at Dennis and then that would cause a fight. And then the cycle basically continues and I would hold on to that anger and that frustration. But at the end of the day, I wasn't really voicing my needs. Why? Because I thought they didn't matter. I didn't want to be a burden. I thought he should know. So had all of these beliefs. As much as I could have said, hey, I'm going to take a break and work on that. The key is to be able to voice my needs when I feel like I'd like them for, let's say, I'd like for them to be met in the relationship. So I need to have a moment or let's say a window opportunity to, let's say, practice that. And so I can learn about my needs on my own. Absolutely. I can do the work to understand myself more. Absolutely. But I also want situations where I need to put that in place. And you can only do that in a relationship. And so that's kind of the double-edged sword with personal growth is, yes, there's a lot that you can do alone. And that's why I continue working with individual clients. 
because they really want to understand themselves and the patterns that they bring to the relationship. But they also know that they're going to put that to the test by entering a relationship. And that involves another set of personal growth because you're going to see yourself in a mirror, let's say. If my partner pisses me off, well, what's that saying about me? What am I making the situation mean? And I can't have that answer or that type of thinking if I'm all alone, if I'm just practicing by myself. So there's that too. I have to smile because my I don't think without my husband, I would have actually realized I'm a workaholic. I thought I had an anger problem because I was always inexplicably angry at him. He was just sitting on the couch. Why is he sitting on the couch? Why am I so angry? And then I was completely unaware that I was tired or exhausted or would like to sit on the couch as well. But I wasn't giving myself permission because dishes, kids, work, all of the things took me about a year of coaching to like figure that out. That's a perfect example too. Yeah, that's a really great Without him being like, he is the most chill person ever, which is fantastic because I'm like a walking fireball. That was struck by lightning. I have so much energy. I've got all the goals, all the plans in the world. Like (laughs) I could tear down the house and rebuild it in one night, probably. Like that's the kind of life for me. And he just walks through life in what I call his happy bubble. I don't know if you've ever seen those like soccer, like giant, like you play soccer, but you're in like a big plastic bubble. Have you ever seen those like? yeah and then people roll down by accident the hill and stuff it's very funny but also like that's how i feel like he walks through life he's just surrounded by this cloud of zen and jesus was that triggering (laughs) i was always like and there he was in his complete immersed in his bubble of peace and i was like shooting fire darts because i was like how are and why why do you have that and i don't and I mean, I think a big part of that is our very different personalities. But now when we're parenting, I'm also really happy because he can be the Zen counterpole when I am like too impulsive for our kids sometimes to handle. I have a very sensitive, one of one of my kids is very fiery and one of them is, is very sweet and sensitive and has a heart of gold. And sometimes I am a little too rough on him. And that's something that I get to practice now, my patience and my understanding. and being more regulated, even if internally I'm burning. And and that's a great example as well of how we don't have to be similar to make it work. I I usually get the question, like, do you believe we have to be similar to make it work? Well, no, but of course you need to decide if you can accept the differences and learn from the differences and find agreements where you have to. But we learn so much also from being different if we're open to that. Yeah. So again, our partners act as these mirrors, just like you just described and I could share multiple examples to that. But again, the differences have been real opportunities to go, what is that showing me about myself? What is going on with me when I kind of notice the difference? And how do I cope with that? Like what's going on in my internal world? Yeah, yeah I've definitely had like to consciously decide what whether I want to keep picking certain fights. Like when I want to, like when we land after 30 hours of travel in Brazil, I'm like, all right, I'll be the first one of this damn airplane and I will sprint to immigration. I have just given up because then I will be gone for immigration and he comes an hour and a half later because he was the last one to get in line. And then I am just waiting just after immigration for him for like an hour. (laughs) I was like, all right, I just will no longer pick this fight. Yeah. So definitely a lot of internal work. So. And and the question that you're asking yourself is, is like, what's more important? What matters to me in that moment? Is it picking the fight or letting go in this in this specific moment? And when is it important to voice certain things and, and you know, all of that? But it, it is a question of choice as well. That's what you true. just said, it's a question of choice. That is, that puts it perfectly to a question that eventually I asked myself is like, I'm in this moment, what do I want to choose? Connection or being right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that was such a powerful question. I try to not be around too many people who always have a need to be right, because that's a very tiring energy to be around with strong black and white thinking where judgment is constant. And that is 
somewhat an energy that I was around a lot when I was growing up, but that is not necessarily an energy that I wanted to bring forward. But God, was it hard <laughs> to like be okay and choose connection <laughs> over being right because that aligned more with my long term goals. Exactly. Oh. Exactly. That's a good point. What was the single most important relationship advice that you've been ever given? And interestingly enough, I don't know if it, I've been given this advice or I learned it along the way and had people support that and people not support that. But it's at the end of the day, every relationship is unique. And as much as we can have a vision for our relationship, relationship goals, all of that, the real question becomes, what do I want? What do we want? What do we want to do? And sometimes that means reducing some noise, unhelpful noise, external noise. I know that's easier said than done. Maybe disconnecting sometimes from social media and kind of not, you know, comparing ourselves to the highlight reels, choosing who we follow. So again, back, back to the question is, what do we want? I'm saying that because for years I thought I should do things a certain way or I should be married by a certain age or we should be doing things in a certain order. And the biggest lesson, and I was told that by, by one or two people, that you do you in a way or you the question becomes what do you want not what should i do basically and so very few people throughout my let's say relationship journey have told me that but the very few that have that's been just so 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 valuable instead of comparing or trying to fit in a box or having a lot of stress and anxiety because it's like these people are doing X, Y, Z thing that way, then I should also be doing it that way. And I've been there and it's just a lot of stress and, and you kind of go against the current sometimes. So as much as I know in certain cultures, it's, it's harder than others or with certain families, it's harder than others. You still want to, if you want to find fulfillment, is asking yourself, what do we want and how can we strive towards that? So yeah. that's, I think that is so lovely. So much of our upbringing and our schooling and education focuses on what we should be doing and people telling us what to do. So stopping and asking ourselves, what do we actually want to when we have the power, when we're 18 or when we've moved out, is such an important question. Oh, I love that. Yeah. All right, let's pivot the um, conversation a little bit towards the different ways people can work with you and your own business. I think we met three years ago. Mm, yes, I believe it was end of 2020. Yeah, yeah like August-ish. I remember sitting yeah. in the sun after our true, our so first I. call. I remember that. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. You were, you were the very first. It was the group coaching program, right? Yeah. The course that, that went on for, for a few weeks. And that was the very first one I actually invested in when I started my business. So, yeah, that was... Good all times. <laughs> yeah, it was originally it was supposed to be a three month program, but I think I let everyone linger around for like four or five months because I was such a people pleaser and I didn't know how to communicate. Hey, it's 12 months. <laughs> so definitely a huge journey for me as well. Ever since, like what, what lessons were for you the most important and has there anything changed in your relationship as your business grew or in your life, in your private life? Like, how has your business affected your life? In so many ways, <laughs> I never thought that I could grow so much through my business, just like I grew so much through my relationship. It's, it's crazy how I learned so much about myself. And I've developed a very different mindset. I was very fixed mindset, to be very honest. I was in a corporate world, had KPIs, and it was just like, you know, your goals, you just achieve them, a lot of competition. And, and as much as I, I liked to be in that environment it was very stimulating. Being on your own and, and building something from scratch is a very different set of skills. And so I really had to look at myself and go, Oh my God, like, if I launch something and I don't reach exactly the goals that I wanted, well, how do I deal with that? How do I deal with my emotions, for example? Or how do I deal with a very successful launch and how do I, you know, not let that, how do you say that? 
create a fear of disappointment or create a fear of disappointment exactly or that I can't repeat that and so it's kind of like showing you a lot again like a mirror just like a relationship about yourself and so I've really tried to seek mentors listen to a bunch of podcasts I can remember every morning just listening to motivational podcasts because I felt like someone understood me especially in in a world or in an environment where very few of my friends are entrepreneurs. And so I've really found an online community of other women, for example, or other men even who are entrepreneurs themselves, created masterminds with someone. And so that was so valuable just to not feel alone because it's already a lonely journey, let's say, when you're working just behind your computer. So that sense of community of growth, that was huge. Self-care, very important as well. I know that's just, you know, a, a word that gets thrown out there a lot, but I've learned a lot to make that a non-negotiable because I used to be like, oh, you know, I'm going to take care of myself later. After that But launch. when you have a business, exactly. But when you have a business, you basically are working, at least me, I used to work like all the time. And so the question is, well, when do you actually pause, take care of yourself before you burn out and you want to kind of prevent that? And so I've learned that. And it's interesting how even in my relationship, at the beginning, the question was like, how much of my relationship do I share? Do I share pictures of us? We're very private. And so there were a lot of like agreements that, that, you know, we created with Dennis, like how much do we share, et cetera, et cetera. And the more I grew on Instagram, the more even, the more Dennis even let go and was like, post whatever you want, as long as it aligns with your values, your business, as long as it supports you. I'm totally fine. And so that openness and that flexibility has been really helpful. And sometimes I do discuss things with him. And I've actually noticed that there are certain topics where I really need to trust myself because I might have a very different view on how to do something in my business than he has. And that sometimes even led to conflict. Like I want to do a certain thing a certain way. And he's like, well, I think you should do it this way. Like, I think that could be a better route. And now we've learned to to understand that we can have conversations, put things on the table, but he will always say, at the end of the day, it's your decision. And I really take the time to tune into what I want. And that's been a huge lesson because I used to ask for everyone else's opinions. Yeah. And people trust. always said, like, what do you want? And I had really a lot of trouble answering that for my business. For my relationship, I didn't. And a friend or an entrepreneur let's say friends that I met online, I remember her saying, what if you applied the same skills and mindset that you have in your relationship in your business? Like it will work no matter what. If we have a conflict or a challenge, we're going to figure it out. If something doesn't work, then we're going to see what we do. So very, very growth oriented and trusting myself, even if that means doing things differently than other people's. So that was, that was huge for me to see. Wow. I know how to do it in my relationship and grow the relationship, I get to transfer the skills to my business. So that's very helpful too. I love that about you. Then earlier this year, we worked together again, one-on-one to like refine your offer suite, your business model, and kind of like create ways to bring you different tools into the world in a way that's like really aligned. A lot of coaching that happens out there is very high ticket, very high touch. And you've had a one-on-one com or you have a one-on-one component in your business. But what is the business model that feels most aligned to you and the way of launching with the fireside chat? Let's touch on that. And then also like which of these offers can people join right now if they want to get your support? Sure. So yeah, I did start with one-on-one coaching. It's still something I, I have because the demand is there. So I do have private clients, but some, something felt like last year I was like, I want to offer something even more accessible for people who can't afford private coaching or can't afford therapy coaching, et cetera. It just didn't feel right to be like, I wish everyone had relationship education. I feel like everyone deserves a relationship education deserves to have fulfilling, satisfying relationships and then only have something that is accessible to a handful of people every three months. And so I created these masterclasses, so kind of bite-sized courses that I teach live, which I love because that gives me opportunity to to answer questions at the end and, and all of that. And 
those are, let's say, the most affordable way to enter my world. And on top of that, I have bonus Q&A calls from time to time or these fireside chats that you just mentioned. So opportunities for people to come and ask questions and, and have conversations with me. And those are all part of the masterclass that you join. So you don't just have a masterclass, but have Q&A calls and all of that. And so that just felt really right because when you think of the toolbox, toolbox for love, that's, let's say, my name on online, the idea is to have different tools for different aspects of your relationship. One tool will be specific for how to communicate about important topics, constructive conversations. The other one is how to identify, recognize, communicate your needs. That's aligning needs. And again, it's kind of like you're, you're, you're building your toolbox as you go, depending on what you need. And the most fulfilling thing this year is seeing repeat clients. So they don't just get one tool. They now have over the five that I now have at least three, four. And that's some, some even five. So it's, it's really actually nice because I have these post-its. I used to put it on the wall and we just moved from Asia to Switzerland again. And I now have that on like digitally, but I, it, it's so nice to see names that you recognize. Yeah. And you know that these are people who invested in masterclasses the very first time and keep on investing in these masterclasses. And it's just amazing to be able to see how they're building their toolbox. That's the idea with masterclasses, especially specifically. I love this. And what I thought was so fun and so great when we were working on this like masterclass fireside setup in this business model was that you really asked yourself like, all right, what fuels for my need for connection with my community? What fuels my need for connection with the world at large through my work? And you were so clear that it's not just the hands-on, super exclusive kind of work, but that it's quantity. It's helping and supporting in a large scale and making this accessible. And I think it's such a fantastic example of aligning who you are and what is important to you and your business model, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're not selling the $2,000 super expensive programs what you sell are these master classes these individual tools and then people can grow and build their toolbox as they need and it's accessible just to such a large part of the population because of the price point and the way you deliver it and i think this is so important when you said earlier asking yourself what do i want and i think your business model is like the perfect reflect reflection of or continuation of that thought not just in your relationship, but in your business as well. What do I want? I want a large scale impact. Then let's build it for that. And I think so many more entrepreneurs, and that's why I brought it up, really need to start asking themselves like this question and in their business and not use strategy like a whip to beat themselves up with and be like, no, I have to do it this way. I have to do one-on-one -on -one coaching because my coach said, no, that's bullshit. You don't. You can exactly build what suits your needs and your priorities for life and for how you want to show up in the world and your values. And your business gets to mold around that and not be a rigid box that you have to squeeze yourself inside. So I think that's so amazing. Exactly. All right. Different ways to work with you. And when is the toolbox as a whole coming? Tell us. <laughs> So currently you have, well, apart from one-on-one -on -one coaching, which is, is always available, I do have five masterclasses as we speak available instantly. So you can all watch them right away. Constructive conversations we've mentioned here, aligning needs we've mentioned here. Love languages is another one. If you're feeling like there are differences and you don't necessarily feel loved or as connected to your partner, there's a specific tool called the love languages that I remember being very revolutionary in our own relationship. And I really go in depth in, in even tools that I wish I knew before. So really detailed steps about love languages and how to implement that. Growing beyond the distance, which is specifically for long distance relationships and how to navigate that, how to still, and most tools are also designed for non long distance relationships just because they're around connection and how to keep that going. And then the newest one is, are they the one? So helping you navigate doubts and, and learning how to take decisions and confidently determine if a relationship is worth investing 
time and energy in because um, that's that's a big one too. So those are the five that you can currently get today as we speak. There might be more once this podcast goes live. And the idea is to, I mean, my big dream is to have something that combines all of them plus a community aspect. So the toolbox, something around the toolbox, meaning that I would have regular contact with members of the toolbox, people who have my masterclasses. We'd have regular chats, regular Q&As, additional content, and very exclusive access to certain things. So that's the idea. So the community element for me is important because every single time I host a masterclass, someone goes, someone usually writes in the chat like a question and someone else goes, I relate to that. Oh my God, I've been going through the same. And so really that kind of, I'm not alone in this and there are ways to feel supported and there's someone I can ask questions to. That's why I'd love to also be part of it and be active. And something like that is why I'm thinking of something that is community-based, so maybe a membership or something around that to bring that to life. Well, I think that sounds absolutely fantastic. And if you're not already following Alex, you 100% should like write, sign up to her email list and follow her on Instagram at toolbox for love. I mean, all of her content is just so helpful already. But trust me when I say you do not just want to consume her content, you really want to like log in and join the individual tools, whatever suits your needs right now. They're so accessible and I'd really be sad to be honest for you to miss that out, miss out on, on the knowledge that she has because she's really so skilled at helping you cultivate just these really deep, profound, yeah, relationships with your partner for life. And I'm a firm believer in the skills that she teaches and the way she teaches. So thank you so much for being here today, Alex. It was such a pleasure seeing you again and it always is. Thank you. Likewise. <laughs> and I can't wait to, yeah, see the launch of the toolbox itself. So thanks so much again for having me. Content loungers, listen up. This is your chance to ditch the hustle and take a massive leap in your business and your income. This month, one of you guys is going to work with me one-on-one and together we will create a content strategy that turns you into a client and money magnet without working more. This is valued at over $2,000. And to get in on this, simply leave me a five-star review, take a screenshot and DM it to me on Instagram. Wishing y'all massive success in your business. See you next week. And until then, sit back, relax, and let your content do the work for you.